take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. I want to read to you the first chapter of Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, uh, then uh, you'll find a black pew Bible uh, underneath one of the seats in front of you, perhaps. Uh, We have those around the auditorium for our guests. And uh, if you use one of those black pew Bibles, turn to page 696, page 696. We're here today, uh, as uh, Brother Dan Hummel referenced, everyone that's ever been saved has been saved because uh, somewhere along the line they came in contact with the Word of God and it opened their eyes to understand truths. And ever since we got saved, we've been studying this book and we come to church to study the Bible. And so we're here to study the Word of God this morning, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read the entire chapter. The message will come from just a portion of it. And so, verse number one, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession Unto the praise of His glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope 
of his calling and with the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians chapter number one. Did you enjoy Easter? Are you still enjoying Easter? (laughs) I look out those windows and see those beautiful Blossom trees in bloom and that beautiful sunny sky out there. And it just looks like Easter. I don't know what Easter is supposed to look like, but it just looks like Easter today. Uh, What a beautiful day God has given to us for the Lord's Day this week. But Easter is over. What now? I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you enjoying the benefits of Good Friday and Easter Sunday? This morning, you know, Ephesians 1 contains an amazing eulogy about God. The word blessed that we read a moment ago in verse number three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the word from which we get our word eulogy or to eulogize somebody. And we know what it's like to sit in a funeral And for someone to have passed away and somebody will invariably read or speak to eulogize the person that has passed on. And to eulogize means to speak well of. It means to talk about somebody in positive ways. That's what a eulogy is, isn't it? We don't get up at a funeral and... Tell about everything that they did mean-hearted and mean-spirited. No, we talk about the good things that that person had brought into our lives. We eulogize them. And in Ephesians chapter 1, we have an amazing eulogy, a declaration of what God accomplished in my life on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It's a, it's a, um, a eulogy of how God touched me. On Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It appears almost as if it were an ancient hymn. We'll have to defer to Pastor Ryan to tell us whether it really was or not. But uh, it appears almost as if it was an ancient hymn. And, And the theme of the hymn, maybe even the name of the hymn, is to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. And... The hymn has three verses. And each verse is about one of the members of the triune God. Not unlike some of what we have sung together this morning. Each of the verses highlights what 
that member of the triune God did to me as a result of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The first stanza of the hymn, or verse of the hymn, focuses on God the Father and eulogizes God for the good things God the Father did in my life because of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The second verse focuses on God the Son and eulogizes Jesus Christ for the good things He has done in my life. And the third stanza focuses on God the Holy Spirit and eulogizes God the Holy Spirit. Each of the three verses of the hymn says, To God be the glory. Glory to God the Father for the things He has done in my life. Glory to God the Son for the things He's done in my life. Glory to God the Holy Spirit for the things He's done in my life. And each of the stanzas has a chorus. You know, when you sing a, a hymn, you sing a verse, you're supposed to sing a chorus. And then you sing another verse, and then you, you sing the same chorus again. And then you sing another verse, and you sing the same chorus again. And each stanza... Each verse ends with the same chorus, to the praise of His glory. God the Father did this in my life to the praise of His glory. And God the Son did this in my life to the praise of His glory. And God the Holy Spirit did this to the praise of His glory. Because of Easter. Because of Good Friday. Last week... Probably close to 50 members of CBC, after weeks and weeks and weeks of work and planning and practicing, came together on Easter Sunday morning and they presented in a, uh, in a meaningful way, they presented Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning to the Easter Sunday crowd because we anticipated and we worked and we visited and we invited and we had people in the congregation last Sunday morning who were unsaved. And all the work and all the energy that went into getting ready for Easter Sunday was focused on bringing to the lost the message of Good Friday and the message of Easter Sunday that people who are unsaved might be presented with. And have the opportunity to understand what God did on Good Friday and what God did on Easter Sunday for their souls. And, and probably some of you have been praying for those people this week. Praying for the unsaved people that heard the gospel last Sunday. Praying that the Spirit of God would cause them to remember something they heard. Some impression on their heart from the truths of Scripture that were shared. And, and perhaps you've been praying this week that the Spirit of God would, would continue to work in their hearts and draw them to Christ. Because that was all focused on the lost and bringing the lost to Jesus Christ. But after this amazing hymn in Ephesians chapter 1, we have what comes after Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Immediately after this amazing hymn about salvation, we have the missionary praying a prayer for the people who got saved. Praying a prayer for the people who have been so impacted by Good Friday and Easter Sunday. 
born again believers, saved people. And he prayed for them. He prayed that they would take advantage of Easter in their lives. Well, last Sunday was Easter. A lot of work for the evangelization of the lost. And Easter was last week. And so this morning, I want you as the members of Community Baptist Church, as born-again believers, as saved people, I want you to take advantage of Easter in your life. I want you to fully possess your possessions. I want you to enjoy to the utmost all that God provided for you on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I want you to enjoy Easter every day in your life. And the missionary that planted the church in Ephesus was praying for the people that he had led to Christ. Praying that they would take advantage of their possessions. That they would possess to the utmost what they possessed in their salvation. And I want you to enjoy Easter the same way. I want you to possess to the max, the benefits of Easter, so that you can enjoy Easter in your life. And so you see from your little worksheet that the bluff is you can enjoy the benefits of Easter. You can take full possession of your possessions. And I want you to see the prayer requests. They, there are three prayer requests for the believers And each of the prayer requests deals with a benefit. A benefit because of our salvation. A benefit that we have because of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And the missionary is praying that they might realize those benefits to the max. And I want you to see those benefits from Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 15. The missionary wrote, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to thank, to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's heard about their salvation. I mean, he was there when the initial group got saved. He's going on on his missionary journeys and now writes back to them. And, and he's heard about their faith in Christ. He's heard about how they were born again. And he's heard about how they have fallen in love with one another. God had brought together an amazing body of believers called the church at Ephesus. And the people spent time together. They studied their Bible together. They, they grew in their appreciation of one another. Their love for one another was growing. They were doing life together in meaningful ways. And their relationships were growing deeper and stronger. He had heard that they had gotten saved. And that they were building a love relationship with a body of believers. And so he prays. Now I point that out because, you know, sometimes we pray crisis prayers. For people going off the deep end. This is not a crisis prayer For someone that went off the deep end. This is a prayer 
for good, godly, core members at the church at Ephesus. And their missionary pastor wants them to fully possess what they came into possession of when they got saved. And so he prays. He prays and says, he's making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know. And the word know in our Bibles doesn't speak of facts and information. It doesn't speak of merely being able to recite things I've memorized. It's much, much deeper than that. It involves that, but it goes much, much deeper than that. To know means to know experientially. To know personally. To know deeply. To come to the place where you know something intimately. That you know something because of the time you've spent with that person. And you've gotten to really know that person. You've not just memorized some facts the day they were born, when they moved to a certain town, some facts about their lives. But you have lived close enough, spent enough time, invested your life in that person to the point where you know something deeply and experientially and personally. And, and here this prayer is asking God to help these, these Christian people to have their eyes enlightened, to be opened, to know personally and intimately three benefits they received when they got saved. He wants them... To be able to have a knowledge of Him. A knowledge of Him. To get to know Jesus Christ so deeply and so well. To have a spirit of wisdom. To have revealed to them such a knowledge of Him. Their eyes opened. This is praying for maturity. This is praying for growth. This is praying for depth. This is praying for head knowledge to get down into practical living that results in what, what Anne just sang about. And that's having a heart that longs to know God, to hear God, to be impressed by God. And so Paul said, I'm praying for you. I know you already know Jesus Christ. You've already received Him as your Savior. I know that you already have a spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of God came to live inside of you when you got saved. And the Spirit of wisdom is helping you know things about God and about Jesus Christ. I know you already have had revealed to you truth about Jesus Christ. I know you already have all that. But I'm I'm, I'm praying that you will fully possess your possessions. I'm praying that the level of your wisdom and 
revelation and, and, and knowledge of God might grow so deep in your lives that you might know Him like you've never known Him before. I ask you, are you enjoying Easter? Good Friday. Easter Sunday. The horrific story of the brutal murder of Jesus Christ. And the powerful deliverance of the resurrection from the grave. That purchased your salvation. Now that you are saved. Are you fully possessing what you got? That day you got saved. Do you know Jesus Christ? Now, there are three benefits that are given, as you see from your little worksheet. There are three benefits. You can, they pop off the page at you. The spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope and riches and power. In verse number 18 and 19. That ye might know what is the hope and the riches and the power that you received the day you got saved. I want you to see these benefits. And in this Sunday after Easter, I want us to enjoy what Easter brought us when we got saved. And so in your work, little worksheet, not the first benefit is hope. It's hope. It's I can live today and light of tomorrow. It's hope. You know, so many people live in fear. This last year, we have watched the world crumble in fear. We have watched the horrible things people have done under the fear that, that just kind of dominated their lives. I shared with you some statistics that came out Toward the end of last year, it was in December of last year, from Barna Research, in which categorically the only group of people in America whose mental health had not gone south during COVID, the only demographic of people whose mental health had not gone down during COVID were those who went to church Every Sunday, not the Easter Christmas Easter attenders, not the ones that went once a month, not the ones that went when they felt like it. The every week church attenders of all age groups was the only demographic of people in America who actually had a more positive mental health at the end of last year than they had had before COVID had started. Well, duh. Of course, because you know what I got at Good Friday? You know what I got on Easter Sunday? I got hope. I got hope. And hope doesn't depend on what's happening in America, politically, medically, or in any other way. Hope only has something to do with what my Savior did in me as a result of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God the Father. Blessed be God the Son. Blessed be God the Holy Spirit for all the blessings they brought into my life. And now because those blessings came into my life, now I pray that you might know more deeply, more powerfully, more impacting in your life, that you might know the hope of His calling. The hope of His calling. What is hope? Hope is the certainty. Hope is the ability to enjoy today an event that will happen tomorrow. I'm not in heaven yet. But I'm enjoying it. Hope is the ability to enjoy something today that's not going to happen until tomorrow. That's what hope is. I'm enjoying heaven even though I've not been there yet. Or like the old country preacher said, it's as if I've done been there. I'm going to live with Jesus Christ for eternity. Jesus said, don't fear someone who can destroy your body. I mean, after they destroy your body, what can they do? Like the old guy that got stuck up in a back alley with a 45 in his gut. He says, you can't, you can't scare me with heaven. Heaven is real for the believer. Heaven is powerful for the believer. And hope is the ability to enjoy today what's not going to happen until tomorrow. To the world, hope has a big question mark behind it, doesn't it? Because hope speaks of uncertainty. I'm hoping because I don't know for sure. I'm just hoping. But when we turn to the Bible, the Bible uses the word hope based upon the credibility of the promiser of whatever it is that's been promised. And when my God, who cannot lie, makes me a promise, there's no uncertainty with that promise. It is as certain as if it has already happened. And the certainty of hope is based on the character of the God who promised it. And so one of the things I possess because of my salvation is that I can live in hope. And hope can be the dominant power in my life. What, 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 what is our hope? Well, I, I put a couple of little verses, a couple of verses there in your, in your worksheet because our text doesn't tell specifically, doesn't go into detail about what the hope is. Our text simply says that, that God might, that ye might know what is the hope of his calling. When God called you unto Himself, when you got saved, when you answered the gospel call and you were born again, that you might know experientially and personally and deeply and meaningfully the hope of that salvation. What is the hope of that salvation? Well, you can study your Bible and you'll find that there are two concrete things that are attached to the word hope regarding our salvation. One of them is my future with Jesus Christ. One of my favorite passages of Scripture about the blessed hope is from Titus chapter number 2. And in Titus chapter number 2, the Bible says that as a result of our getting saved, that the same God that uh, saved us then teaches us to live uh, godly lives, to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. 
What is the blessed hope? Well, in Titus 2, it's explained to us so that we don't have to guess. Looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the hope. Jesus is coming again. He might be here today. We might not have the opportunity to staple any scriptures together tomorrow. We may be in heaven tomorrow. That's our hope. Jesus is coming again. He didn't tell us when, but he ended the Bible, the last prayer of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. We're instructed to pray, even so, come Lord Jesus. And that's our hope. Jesus is coming again. And he might come today. And that's a reality, not a question mark. That is a certainty, not a wonderment. That is something that is based on the credibility of the God who said he's coming again. And so that's our hope. Our hope. First John 3 talks about it as well. Powerful passage of Scripture in First John 3. Talks about the hope of the coming of Jesus Christ. We're going to be caught up and be with him. Uh, we're going to see him as he is. First, uh, uh, first uh, what, what did I say? First uh, John 3. forgot where I was. 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Can you believe it? Good Friday, Easter, Sunday, I'm a son of God. I'm one of God's children. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Oh, I wonder what that's going to be like. We don't know what we're going to be. We wonder. What are you going to look like in heaven? How tall are you going to be? How much are you going to weigh? What are you going to look like? Oh, we don't know. What, what, we don't know. Uh, we don't know what we shall be. But I tell you what we know. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. He's going to appear. And we're going to be just like him. He's going to make us perfect. And if you really believe that. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We don't we don't. If you really believe that, you don't wait until it happens to become holy. You're working overtime trying to become holy now. You are working to become pure now. Give the Holy Spirit a little bit less work to do at the last minute when you stand in His presence. For Him to make you just like Jesus Christ. A future with Jesus. But not only a future with Jesus, but a future inheritance that we will receive. Our text mentioned that in, the, uh, in verse number... 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. My favorite passage is 1 Peter chapter 1. I won't turn there due to time, but 1 Peter chapter 1. The Bible talks about our inheritance, what we're going to receive when we get to heaven. Jesus Christ talked to some people uh, in Luke, I uh, can't remember which chapter it was, back around chapter 12. He was talking to some people. And he was talking about money. He was talking about stewardship, finances. And he said, he said you know, uh, right now, you are a steward of God's possessions. 
And if you don't, if you're not faithful in another man's possessions, you will not be given your own possessions. Whoa. If I'm not faithful in managing God's stuff now in heaven, he's not going to give me my own stuff. Do you know you're going to have your own stuff in heaven? You're not going to be a steward of God's stuff. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus owns, you own. You will be the owner of stuff. If you did a good job managing God's stuff down here. Because if you don't manage somebody else's stuff, he's not going to trust you with your own stuff. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us there's an inheritance. An inheritance in heaven. A future inheritance that we're going to enjoy throughout all of eternity as we live and serve God. Well, that's our hope. I can live today in light of tomorrow. Jesus is going to be with me for all of eternity. And I'm going to enjoy the rewards and the inheritance that he gives to me as I've served him. Let me ask you, do you enjoy Easter today? Do you live in hope or do you live in fear? Do you live in hope, expectation, excitement for the future? What's heaven going to be? Do you live with your eyes focused on this world or do you live your life with your eyes focused on the horizon? Do you live in hope of what's to come or do you live to get all you can get Out of what is here. To live in hope is to stay focused on eternity. If we had more time, we would would look at, um, I don't even think I put them in the worksheet. I don't think I did. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 both talks about living in light of eternity rather than living in light of earth. That's what it means to enjoy Easter. To live in hope. Let me, give you the, let me give you these other two real quick. Verse number, chapter 2, verse number 18. That ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, just a minute. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, not my inheritance. In verse number 11, he said, we have obtained an inheritance. But in verse number 18, he's talking about God having an inheritance. That God might give you, that you might know, that God might enable you to know what is the exceeding greatness, I'm sorry, what is the uh, riches of the glory of his, of his inheritance in the saints. Do you realize God has an inheritance? You know, what is God's inheritance? You know, when we think of an inheritance down here, we think of some far distant relative dying that we didn't even know, so we don't really feel bad because we never even knew them. But we get a letter in the mail from the lawyer that settles the estate, and we find out that we just inherited $100,000 from someone we never even knew existed. We say, wow, look at my inheritance. Do you realize God has an inheritance? What is God's inheritance? Psalm 33, verse 12 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Do you realize that you 
are God's inheritance. And God deems his inheritance to, to be worthy of the word riches. Riches. Jamie, when God thinks of you, God thinks, what an inheritance I've got. I'm rich. The God who owns the gold in every mine, the cattle on every hill, the God who owns everything considers himself rich because he has you. You are God's inheritance. His inheritance in the saints. The saints are the inheritance of God and God wants you to know that he considers himself rich because he has you. You say, ah, this isn't computing. (laughs) Look at verse 23. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. God fills all in all. That word filleth or fullness speaks of the wholeness or the completion or having everything. Having it all. I've got it all. I'm complete. And God has everything. But God says that the church which is His body fills Him. He who is the fullness of everything. Is full because he has you. I wrote down in my little blank on my worksheet the word dignity. You know what you've got because of because of Good Friday and Easter Sunday? You are somebody. God don't make junk. You have dignity. You are God's inheritance and He calls Himself rich because He has you. And you complete the God who is the completion of everything. How can this be? Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 2 explains it. In verses 4 through 11. And basically, and and Ephesians chapter 2 begins to step through how God saves the sinner. And then brings sinners together and binds them in the unity of a church family. And and in chapter 2, the mercy of God that brings us salvation. uh, And that wonderful salvation we enjoy. He says in verse number Seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. How is God going to show the exceeding riches of his grace? Who's he going to show it to? You ever read this and wondered, who's God going to show this to? Who else is in heaven but us and God? Who's God going to show this to? 
Well, the only ones I can figure out, he doesn't say, so, you know, that's, the wheels start turning and the imagination begins to come into play. Who else is up there but the angels? I can just envision God in the ages to come showing the angels the exceeding riches of His grace. How is He going to show the angels the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus? He's going to point to us and He's going to say to the angel, you should have seen Rick before I got him. He was a rascal. He was a scoundrel. But then, my grace I forgave him of all of his sin. I was so gracious to him in saving him. But I didn't just leave him as a saved scoundrel. I began to change him. I began to work in his life. I put the Holy Spirit in him. I gave him put a Bible in his hand. I put him in a church family. I, I began to work in his life. And little by little, little by little, verse number 10 says, chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God didn't save a scoundrel and leave him a scoundrel. God saved a scoundrel and changed the scoundrel. God had a plan. God had a purpose. God's workmanship. God is an amazing craftsman. Like a beautiful portrait. And you wonder who was the artist who, whose skill and ability and, and all the work they did. And look at the masterpiece of their artistry. God is an amazing master. And His portrait is you. And every day he's adding a touch here and he's adding a touch there. And every day he's working to change you, to take out of you that which is not like Jesus Christ and put in you that which is like Jesus Christ. And gradually, little by little, he changes you and makes you holy and you become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And then what he didn't get done in your life on earth when you step into his presence, as we read in 1 John chapter 3, he's going to, bang, conform you instantly into the image of Jesus Christ. And God, for the eternal ages ahead, is going to say, hey, angel, come here, come here, I want to show you something. Let me tell you what they were like before I met them. Look at what I made of them. And the angel's going to look at God and say, wow, God. The angel's not going to look at you and say, wow. The angel's going to look at God and say, wow. God, you did that. You made that this. God, you are amazing. You are phenomenal. And for all of eternity, God is going to brag on you. You are somebody. You need to be Coming, be becoming holy, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You are somebody. You are God's inheritance. You make God rich. You can stand with dignity in this world and know that you are somebody. 
because of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Here's the last one. The last one. That you might know what is the hope. That you might know what is the riches of his inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Here's the third benefit. And that is the power to do anything God wants you to do. The possibilities are endless. The sky is the limit. God can do anything He wants to accomplish through your life. You have unlimited power and possibility because of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. To His, His power to usward who believe. We that are saved, we have unmeasurable power. How does he describe the power? Well, he just kind of, he just kind of added descriptive words on top of descriptive words. He said in verse number 18, at verse number 19, exceeding greatness, power, working, mighty power. I mean, this is power upon power upon power. This is might and strength upon might and strength. God has put within you unlimited power. What power? Well, verse number 19 says it's God's power. It's God's power. His, the greatness of His power. The power of God is in you. Verse number 20 says it's resurrection power. The very power whereby that dead corpse in a tomb in Palestine, in Israel, that dead corpse on, on Sunday morning, all of a sudden, the, the, the chest cavity began to... As the lungs drew in air, all of a sudden the heart began to tick and blood began to pump again through the body. All of a sudden that dead corpse sat up, took the face cloth off, folded it neatly because Jesus isn't messy. Learn how to have some character. He folded it neatly and laid it over to the side. Jesus Christ was risen. That took power. Can you imagine the power that required to be able to put life in that corpse? That same power is in you right now. Resurrection power. Ascension power in verse number 20. The same power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him on his own right hand in the heavenly places far above principality and power. There on the Mount of Olives when they gathered there and the apostles were there and all of a sudden Jesus started levitating. I mean, he just started going up and the disciples were going. And the angel said, what are you looking at? He's coming again. The power. That enabled Jesus Christ to leave earth and go to be at the right hand of God the Father. That power is in you. Ascension power. Verse 21, exaltation power. Far above all principality. You know you have more power than the Supreme Court in the United States? You have more power than Congress? That you might know how much power you have. That you might know you have the power that it required Jesus Christ to be far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. 
And every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come, exaltation power on earth and exaltation power for all eternity. I want you to know, you can enjoy Easter today. The possibilities are unlimited for you. You say, well, what can I do with all this power? You can do what God wants you to do. You can do what God wants you to do. Say, what does God want me to do? Well, he told you. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Baptize the ones who get saved. Then mentor them in their faith. You have the power to evangelize. You have the power to help a person be willing to get baptized. You've got the power to teach a person the New Testament, the Word of God. All things whatsoever I've commanded you. You have that power. You have the power to do what Jesus Christ told us to do. That's what it means to enjoy Easter. (laughs) That horrible story of Good Friday. Horrible story. That wonderful story of Sunday morning. And when that became personal in my life, and God saved me, I want to enjoy everything that God gave me 54 years ago when I got saved. And what that means is that I live with hope instead of fear. That I live with dignity instead of thinking I am nobody. And that I live with the possibility that I can do anything God wants me to do. Anything He told me to do. I've got the power to do that to His honor and to His glory. Hope for the future. Value in the present. And activity to accomplish whatever God wants me to do. That's what it means to enjoy Easter. I hope you get, I hope you fully possess your possessions. And that you enjoy everything God has for you. As a result of Easter. And the rest of the book of Ephesians. Amazing. Chapter 2 and 3. How God saves a sinner and brings him into a church family. Chapter 4 and 5. How those saved sinners in a church family live united and pure lives. And then into chapter 6. Any church that is enjoying unity. And whose members are living holy lives. Satan is going to attack that church and try to destroy it. And so chapter 6, you need to have the armor on. Because we stand against the wiles of the devil who will destroy such a church. Read Ephesians this week. It's a great book. Great oversight of what Christianity is all about. And it's all, it all starts when Good Friday and Easter Sunday transforms our lives. And then we begin to enjoy it in how we live.